So hello and welcome. This is our bourbon podcast and spirits as well. Our yeah, tasting bourbon podcast. and spirits. Yeah. Bourbon yeah. and spirit. Um, yeah. Today we're talking about Old Forester. I'm John Sheffield. I'm Parker Minchenberg. Not saying my name. And this is our anonymous <laughs> friend. Yep. Who is not huge into bourbon, but we are, and that's why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And we're we are um, taping this in front of a live studio audience. Woo! Um, yeah. All right. So, how did you get into uh, bourbon and spirits generally? What when did you? What was your first bourbon that you got into? Oh wow, that's a, uh, probably Four Roses. Mm-hmm. Um, when I visited the distillery years back for our friend's uh, bachelor party. And it's uh, very exciting. And and now I sell bourbon professionally. So there you go. All right. Great. Um, how did John you get into Bourbon, John? Were you 12? Or? I was, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Florida, 12. Right yeah, down in Florida in the mean streets of Orlando. No, I got into it, um, I was living in Maine to drive through New Hampshire at the state-run liquor store. You get a handle of Jim Beam for very cheap. I've been to a New Hampshire state-run liquor store, so. I think there's only really one that people go to. It's off of I-95. I've heard of that in Canada. I didn't know we had state-run liquor stores oh, there's like twelve. There's like 12 states that do that. Yeah. Why? The state controls the liquor distribution. That's a whole other episode that we're going to have to cover. Yeah, well, is it like the, evangelical crazy people or? Um, it's more like I don't know. I think it's more to do with like the state making money off of it. Well, so, yeah, you get taxed, but like we tax. Yeah, here. but you got to think like the, the company I work for, like we make money selling liquor. All that money that we make, the state is just making for the state. Oh, yeah. so we're the ones we should be doing that. No, no, socialized I mean, okay, liquor. Okay, okay, comrade. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm kind <laughs> of like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on that spectrum. I'm happy with the private industry that. Stores like yours offer. Like the innovation that we're developing for our competition. Laboratory of whatnot. So here we are today with Old Forester, going back to before Prohibition when all this three-tiered business came about. Where is Old Forester from? It's from... Kentucky? It's from the Louisville area. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. indeed it is. It's in the news a lot lately, Louisville. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But not not how you want. No. Um. Not for their purpose. So the... So it got founded by a fellow named George Garvin Brown. That's right. And his whole deal was he had the first bottled bourbon, right? Yeah. So he was started as a pharmaceutical salesman, and uh, before he turned to bourbon in uh, in 1870. As a coping mechanism, or yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's probably more of like a, a business venture. But, okay. Well, it's but both. yeah, definitely both. We'll get column A, we'll call him B. And uh, in the early days, he signed every bottle. He still does, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, Shut up. I'm pretty confident he's, he's not with us anymore. But uh, They forge mm. it now. Yeah. But it's yeah. just a stamp. Well, you know, it's a stamp. But yeah, he used, to, he used to break out the Sharpie, sign every bottle. It's, it's like he's, I don't think they had Sharpies back then. Well, it was an ink pen or a, a, a quill. quill. A big, big feather. Quill. Yeah. Big feather. Yeah. He must have hand cramps at the end of the day. Probably. Okay. Then, well, um... Some some quick background because I wrote it down, so I figure I'm going to go through it. Well, people. When you say know. it's the first, did you say the first bottle? Yeah, so they had whiskey they do in barrels. Oh, okay. that you would just like go to your general store and just get like a flagon of whiskey or some bullshit, and it was yeah. always filled with like you know spit and tobacco juice, whatever prune juice. That's to gross. Make it look good. Yeah. Prune juice. Why do you think it gets that delicious brown looking flavor? Is that Color. from? Would they, did they have? Did they need it for like? Constipation? Constipation or? No, they were just uh, rectifying it, making it look good, but. Got it. You know, Got so, it. Yeah. But so, so we have a few Old Forester uh, products in front of us here. Expressions, if you will. No, thank you. Expressions was the word I was looking for. Hmm. We're starting off today with uh, the 86 proof, 
which came out, when was that? Um, you know, the exact date on that, I don't remember. Historians can't tell us. No, it's it's been lost in the, uh, the annals of time. Mm. Oh, I'm getting a note from our producer. The Sharpie was founded in 1964. So. Tall Jeff. Yeah. Oh, well, we... So it's since then that George Garvin Brown has been signing every bottle with a Sharpie. Is this wiki? Is he getting this from Wikipedia? or No, it's from uh, Encyclopedia. Oh. Britannica. Britannica? Yeah. yeah. No, not the Americana, the Britannica. <laughs> mm. All right. All right, then next is my favorite, the 100 Proof Signature Expression. Now, they started making 100 Proof Old Forest Herb in 1897, courtesy of the uh, U.S. Bottle and Bond Act. The first sense. consumer protection law. Okay, I think yeah. I have heard of that. What did that do, John? That uh, was signed into law, and it allowed uh, distilleries to make a seal uh, by saying that they were bottled and bond. It told consumers that there were certain minimum uh, standards. First, that it was at least four years old. It had been aged in a government uh, bonded warehouse Facility. supervised. Yeah, and um, that is 100 proof. And it was the product of one distillation season, one distiller, and there might be one or two other qualifications. It's new American oak. Oh, well, that's bourbon, yeah. Just in general, yeah. yeah. It's always oak barrels? Yeah. Always oak. But there's a Specifically million... new American oak. Yeah. And there's a million types of, types of oak there. There's like Mongolian, French, American. Do we grow Mongolian oak? I think the Mongolian. It's big in Mongolia. Yeah. But Buffalo Trace has a Mongolian oak thing. That's weird. Yeah. So. But uh. So yeah. Let's uh. Let's taste this. We're gonna do the eighty-six proof first. All right. Okay. All right. Get a lot of bourbon on the nose. It's with every all of it. I always want to like. Just pound Ugh. it. <laughs> Our anonymous guest here is big fan. It's a very very uh, chill drink. It's um. It's got a little bit of a. Uh, you can kind of tell that there's some. Sweet like caramely baking spice I'm getting, but it's a little baking thin. Baking spice? Yeah, you know, like a, almost like a gingerbread cookie or something. Mm. That's my taste. It's all subjective. That's pretty easy going. I mean, I drink, maybe it's because of the, all the high proof stuff I've drank in the last year, but that is pretty easy going. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think that if you, it depends on where you're at. Where, Lauren, what do you think, uh, anonymous guest? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it doesn't make me, like, have a reflex I normally have when I'm just sipping this stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, it smells like fire water, you know? I don't get the caramel baking spice that you seem to be getting, but, you know, I have a very untrained Well, I mean, palate. usually when I have baking spice, it's always, like, fire water, too, so. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, but no, it doesn't, it's not as proofy. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I get a little bit of that, uh. Sweetness, you know, definitely on the sweeter side. I think that's a real signature of Old Forester's mm -hmm. products is that it's not, I mean, some They're are sweeter. Yeah, some bourbons are like oaky or umami flavored, like savory, but like Old Forester, what I like about it is, I mean, I'm a sweet tooth myself, so it's that it, it does kind of across the expressions. I don't know about the rye, which we'll taste later, kind of has a little sweetness to it. Are you getting any burnt sugar on the finish? Mm. I was going to say vanilla, if anything. I was saying creme brulee. Creme brulee. That's not bad. Yeah, you feel that? That is a great tasting note, yeah. Yeah. What about vanilla? Was that? Yeah, no, that's... Oh, vanilla's that's pretty accurate? Mm -hmm. I think I'm definitely... Yeah. That's, like, really common, too, on a lot of bourbons is yep. vanilla. Vanilla? Because vanillin, right? People talk about that being extracted from the barrel. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, maybe that's science. I, I've heard it, but... I would drink this in a cocktail. All right. And on, on its own, which I'm doing right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would, it's yeah, if, totally it was, good for sipping. If, if it was in a cocktail, that would be fine. Which we can do. This, you know, retails for about 25 bucks. Oh, yeah, that's the... For not that size. Well, yeah. I think it's even less. Oh, yeah, that's, yes, the bottle we have is a, a larger bottle. Yeah, Enormous. For a, yeah, we have seven fifty. It's about so. This is an open. Uh, we did just taste uh, an open handle of it that is about maybe a quarter left in it, and so that does affect the taste, right? Is that the bottle's been open for sure. probably about you know better part of a year. What do I do with the? Um, that you can just if you don't want it, you can just put it in just here. Put it you can just drink it after. There you go. All right. So we're moving on to the hundred proof. This is. I think we can pass this off to the studio audience. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. The audience really appreciates a good yeah. bourbon pour. <laughs> so it's drove. Yeah. So uh, this one, immediately, much more on the nose. I'm getting like a bunch of booze. Oh man, booze all on my nose. <laughs> yeah. No, like acetone is another way to say it. If it smells like nail polish, that's an actual note. Right? You know, honest to God, I could, I would probably rather smell acetone. Than, yeah. some than, of, booze. than some booze I've smelled in my life. This yeah. certainly doesn't have... I'm not getting any acid. This is dust. someone who's gotten their nail up, nails done multiple times. You guys probably never had a nail salon. No, but I do sniff Maybe acetone. That's... Not oh, really. yeah? No, I do not. You want to tell us about that? <laughs> um, okay, I have a question. Why 86 proof for the first one? That's a weird number to me. Good question. So in order to be bourbon, it has to at least be 80 proof. Ah. And in the... 80s, uh, a lot of bourbons went from like around 100 proof down to 80 proof because that was more common for people was lower proof vodka. And so bourbon kind of met the standard of vodka that was very popular like in the 70s, 80s. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, some have stayed with that. Um, I think 86 proof is there was uh, Brown Foreman, Old Forester's way of trying to keep up with trends. Got ya. Interesting. So, but anyway, so I really, I mean, this nose has got, like, it's got a little bit, you want a little bit of that? All right, all right. Well, if I'm trying everything. Well, I, all right, here we go, ready? Just a very little bit, though. There we What's go, up? perfect. I mean, that was the smallest pour I've ever done. All right, so I'm getting on this nose, though. I mean, in a good way. Okay. I'm getting, like, um, this has got so much more aroma to it than the 86 proof. Um, more depth? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, to proof it down, they just add water to it. So you can really get more of that bourbon. Filtered water? Mm, I hope. Brita. Big Brita. Big Brita. Yeah, so... That doesn't, you know, actually, that smells kind of nice almost. What do you, I mean, is there, I can't quite pinpoint what I'm smelling, but there's... This is more caramel. Caramel. Yeah, a lot of caramel. Totally like hit ball, hit of chocolate. Yeah, it's definitely it's. I like it a lot. I mean, this is one of my favorite bourbons of all time. So that's you know honestly my my favorite like cocktail bourbon. Mm. I sell a lot of it at work, and uh, because you push it or just because people like it. I mean, no, I like I push it because I like it. No, I mean, but like, do people just go in there and buy it without your recommendation? Oh, of course, of course. It's a it's a very popular bourbon, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and also, we did a big blind tasting, and that one of like thirty bourbons. I'm not surprised. Really? Yeah, and we did like there was a bunch of us from uh, various stores, and we did a big blind tasting, it's like a training thing, and that ah. beat, that beat out a bunch of like fifty and sixty dollar bourbons. This, this is twenty five, twenty five bucks. 
Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Would you, now when you're doing a blind tasting like that, would you do the same proof for each? Or no, it could be very... I think there's like a range, right? If you're going to do a blind tasting, you want to like keep it kind of in the same range. Like you're not going to do like barrel proof compared to like 80 proof. Um, there wasn't much in the way of barrel proof in there, but yeah, it was a lot of, I mean, there was like, you know, it went from like 80 to probably 110. Yeah. Once you get to like um, 110, you're kind of, you're going to burn your palate. But, but yeah, but we didn't do any like single barrel stuff though. Oh, no, I should say that. We didn't do any like barrel pick stuff. Mm. Like there was, um, some different single barrels in there. But it was, um, yeah, there wasn't like uh, 130 proof bookers or something like that that mm. would just like ruin you for the rest of the tasting. Um, although, admittedly, when you do like 30 things, by the end of it, you're like, I have no idea what I'm tasting anymore. Right, right. Well, but it was it was impressive because like six of us had that as our number one, and like everyone had it in their top five. Mm-hmm. So we like that's won gotta the be, that's say something, yeah. I like what I like about the 100 proof old forester is that from start to finish, the sip is pleasant. There's not a point where it falls off. Um, the palate is um, a little sweet, and then the finish lasts. It's not like for a very available, affordable bourbon. It's got a taste that delivers every time for yep. me. That's that's what makes it my go-to uh, bourbon. Although you know I haven't done it in a total blind, but that's pretty good. Like I was so impressed by how well it did there. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Would you, would you recommend that to people? I would not only recommend it to people, I have recommended it to people. Um, whoever will listen. And also this um, Old Forester 100 proof bottle is about halfway, it's open and it's about halfway consumed. So that's just something that affects you and every taste a little bit. The next one we're moving to is the Old Forester Rye. This is... Is it the newest of their releases? I think it is the newest standard release of theirs. It came out, like, in December 2018, I think, or so. It was after the 1910. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's uh, always available, but, uh, yeah, it's just... um, As I recall, I I tasted it a while ago, like, when it first came out, and was very impressed with it. And this bottle is not open. We're going to open it now. Bad sound. Yeah. Yeah, and um, let's see. So, everybody got their glass ready? Yep. You put it on there. Yeah. Her hair is amazing. So, how is rye different? Well, rye is at least 50%. It's, yeah, 51% rye Rye. grain. Yeah, so so what they make the distillate out of. That's the big difference. So, bourbon's got to be... A majority of corn it's made from. That's what it was. Okay. Whereas yeah. rye is a majority of rye. Yeah. Like rye bread. Yeah, it's the same grain. Yeah, like the grain. Rye bread. Yeah. So if you left a thing of bread out on your counter, it would make rye, rye whiskey immediately. Yeah. Well, like for a month. Well, no. So. Um, <laughs> but heat it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, what what they do is you know just like making beer, you. Uh, for, I mean, our audience could explain this really well since our audience is entirely composed of distillers. Um, but you essentially ferment uh, cereal grains, which includes rye and corn and uh, wheat and others. Uh, ferment that like you would for beer. But then uh, when it's like 3%, you uh, heat it up, which causes the alcohol vapor to rise up through a still. Mm. And then that is how you make whiskey. So that's essentially 
what you would have to do. You'd have to heat that bread up pretty well. But as far as like distilling goes, yeah, basically you could just leave it out. There's um, certain things like mezcal, for example. Like there's some mezcals where they literally have like a pit somewhere in Mexico where they just have like random stuff in it with the agave mm. and just kind of it's getting heated up over there for mm. over time. And that's how you get pomades. Delicious though. This that's what I've heard that you can. There's like then it becomes like alcohol. Yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna save that for our, our mezcal episode. Look out, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited yeah. about. But uh, yeah, let's, let's drink some rye. This rye has an amazing nose on it too. I, I don't know if it's all weird. amazing noses. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to. Think, I actually don't think the nose about. on that hundred proof is that great, but the palate is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like drinking, it's great. The nose is just okay. Can I say bitch on this podcast? Whoa, it's your whoa. podcast. We'll bleep that out later. Oh, you didn't like the nose? Is that what that was? Yeah. That was not Mr. Ed on this podcast. <laughs> you have to bleep that out, too. See if it, is how, that how, in, how bad that joke was? Is yeah. that in the... <laughs> but, I mean, is Mr. Ed in the public domain now? I feel like, yeah. Pay royalties to... No, I feel like, yeah. I, like, re- I think referencing it is fine. Do you ever get heartburn from the nest? No. 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 Are you getting so, it right now? So the mash bill in this, John, just so you know, is uh, 65% rye. 20% malted barley, 15% corn. Wow, that's a lot of malted barley. Yeah. yeah that's fascinating. Like malted, malted, yeah. malted barley doesn't add a lot of fruit. flavor. I mean, it's, you know. Have you ever had barley? Barley is like a scotch grain. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of times in bourbon, when you add malted barley, it's just to uh, add enzymes that allow for fermentation. So you'll do like for a digestion. nominal amount of uh, fermentation for the yeast to mm. create alcohol. Digestion for you. And digestion, you know, if you don't have pepto. Um... Mm. What do you guys think of scotch? I like scotch. I've had scotch. I'm more of a Highland scotch guy, though. I'm not a big Isla. Um, really, I'm not a huge into the really big PD stuff. ILA. You're probably right. No, we're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, it's, it's when I smell that. Islay. 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 Yeah. Islay. Islay. That has like a really. Whew. I'm getting like yellow cake on this nose, by the way, for this. What is yellow cake? Like, a, you mean like. Ura- a, uranium? Yeah, yeah. The uranium. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like, um, you never made like yellow cake from a box? Yeah, it's are you like talking about really like a, a bundt cake where you make like a bundt cake out of? No, no. It's like, um, it's a big sheet cake. It's not quite vanilla. It's yellow. You know I think mean? you're putting in that in the bundt cake thing. Yeah, I, do, I actually, actually do know what you mean. Thing. It's great with some chocolate frosting. Oh, always yeah. chocolate frosting. Um, or uh, confetti. Oh yeah. yeah, well you can see fun fetty. Fun fetty, sorry. With, have fun yeah. with it. That's what I'm getting on this nose. Um, I'm getting a lot of cherry. Mm. I need mm. some cherry with some... Uh, I could probably get that. I do appreciate your your, uh, your yellow cake note though. Mm-hmm. I definitely... It's not the uranium, it's definitely the cake. The, uh, the, ba- the baked item, not the... Do people put liquor in baked foods? I feel like some... There's rum cake. There's rum cake. Sure. There's bourbon pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Sure you can do it. I'm sure there's some all kinds of things you put Bailey's in that'll work. I don't know. Oh, oh right, I they burn it up, right? Don't they mm-hmm. light the fire on them? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Baked I... Alaska. Is that a, is that a fish? Yeah, they just pour fire on top. No, it's a, like an ice cream cake. They pour oh. with a marshmallow around it that they like pour mm. burning alcohol on top of to give you like a s'more kind of thing. In the ah, I don't know. I've never been to Alaska, so I've never had it. It's good baked. I'm told. Can only get it there. I like that. Again, that's like 25 bucks. It's, yeah, I think that... Um, are they all 25 now? No. Well, the first the first, the first three, are all, three are around the same price. Okay. 20-ish. Um, yeah, this one, the rye is not as much 
what I like a lot about this rye is that it doesn't it's not overwhelmingly rye flavored because it's mm -hmm. only 65 percent so you're getting like a little bit of that mint yeah. kind of a lot of clove characteristic of clove in there I could totally get that um but yeah it's a little bit sweeter for a, a rye mm -hmm. I think it's a really good mashable for a rye not to say anything against other you know, wonderful distilleries that do really good rye higher rye mash bills. future sponsors yes yes but um just very impressed with that. Any future sponsors are always interested in partnerships and collaboration. Help. You will tell everyone how good your product is for money. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably a really good time to mention that we're not being paid by Brown Foreman or Forrester. Or, or literally anybody. Anybody at yeah. all other than our own jobs, which don't relate to this particular tasting review. No, we spent money to make this happen. So there you yeah, go. we did buy all these bottles. Well, you spent money to make this happen. I did buy these yeah. bottles. And like we said, they weren't that expensive, so it's not that mm -hmm. bad. The next one's a little bit more. This next one's a real treat. came out almost two years ago now. Why does it say 1910 on the bottle? Well, oh, I am glad you asked. You see, in 1910, a firing on the bottling line, fire on the bottling line at Old Forester led to a second barreling of the whiskey. And uh, while the line was be being repaired, it, it created the very old fine whiskey, which you'll notice is written on the bottle here. Old fine whiskey. Mm. As opposed to the not old it's, It was the first double barrel bourbon ever made. Um, get to use my notes. For what's, what's double barrel? What's that mean? So they took it from one barrel and put it in another barrel. So they, it's had time in two barrels because every time the distill it, is sitting in the barrel it's picking up something from it so you go from one fresh barrel you know it's aged for however long it was mm. um, which coincidentally uh, we'll mention now that old forester doesn't have age statements on any of these bottles um, but they age it for a, a good amount of time probably probably somewhere between six and eight years and then and it's all a um, you know a batch of different barrels of different lengths and years mm -hmm. uh, and then you put it in the second barrel for a shorter period it's usually just a period of months it's not like years ah. so um, yeah that's because normally they have how long it's been aged on the bottle why doesn't old forester do that actually that's become less common as bourbon has gotten more popular why because you can't age it as long yeah it's harder to ah to just okay. eat, like put it in a barrel for 12 years and then don't make a profit for forever yeah yeah um, also, blending has become a bigger thing, mm. which you know you can you can take some of that ten year and blend it with some of that eight year, which sometimes you call blending, but sometimes it's just batching it, right? Like some yeah, people yeah. think that blending is a bad thing because back in the day, blending would refer to adding grain neutral spirits to bourbon so that you would make a whiskey and you get more of it. But well, it's kind of considered bad in like wine and other stuff too. So. But it's really good in rum. Yeah. Really? That is like the, the key to making a good rum is a good blend. blending. Yeah. So we're going to save that for our our 11 or 15, however many we do a rum podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have many episodes of rum planned. Nice. That, stay tuned for that. But yeah, so we're here on the 1910. And let's... Uh, let's call it a tease. We're going to have to do a tease in the next episode. <laughs> let's get a little... Let's get a little... Put this in the nose here. Oh my God. How many times have you said nose? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just noticed. Yeah, Sniff this. There's only <laughs> put this in your nose. There's only so many bourbon terms. I get it. Only so many verbs it and nouns for smelling something. Let's give this a huff. You getting any ass doing on that? I don't understand. 
You really gotta dig for what you're smelling. I think it is the stuff. Though. But same, it's, it's the same with um the wine though, with like tasting wine. Um, yeah, you wouldn't poo-poo uh, wine tasters. Would wine you? doesn't have nearly as much of a alcohol content. That is true. So that's why you it's, don't it's, hit that. It's that a hits little, you first. It's a little more difficult. You do have to kind of get used to it. It's the same process, though. Maybe kinda, it's my allergies. Because mm. when you drink, when you're tasting a wine, it's like, oh, it's grape juice. It's like, well, yeah, but what else do you get out of it? Oh, there's some vanilla. Oh yeah, no, I I Red wouldn't. Fruit. I would have a hard time saying like, oh, I get that stuff out of. It takes a it takes a little bit of like experience with the you know right to. Pick out some of the flavors and stuff. This is uh, one of my favorite, like, higher-end sipping stuff. Because these bottles are a little more, it's like closer to 60 bucks. But Really? Mm -hmm. This one's on 93 proof. So mm -hmm. I think this is worth it, the $60? Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting the... Uh... I have... See, now, I'm, if I'm I, an inexperienced nose slash drinker of this, I mm -hmm. would say more vanilla again. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing to pick out at all. I'm sure it's definitely got that. And it's hard to reach past that and, like, get a whole lot, but mm. this is one I get a lot of, um, oh. <laughs> well, for folks listening in at home, our, there's a, a strong reaction from our an anonymous taster. I think, to be honest, more people at home can relate to my mm -hmm. take. That's pretty good. <laughs> this one I get a lot of like popcorn, like um, popcorn jack, kind of like. I'm that's I'm just telling you honestly wow. like, what I'm tasting right now. If you wrote an article, I think it'd be like very interesting. About this, yeah. Well, you, you, those are like interesting. Twenty-page paper. Yes, yeah. yeah. on the uh, taste of. Right. This is one that like I often got like caramel and like other stuff, but like today I'm just getting like really buttery like. And also caramely bob popcornish. You know, like you know that like it's almost like you take that that tin of popcorn that has the three different flavors in it. It's got like butter. No, you've never had that. No. Or you take like a handful of, like the butter. Like popcorn. at a movie theater? No, this is like at Christmas time. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the you big the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Three different flavors. And if you took like a handful of both the butter and caramel popcorn, that's kind of the of flavor I'm getting. Not the texture, obviously. And this bottle has been open, but it's almost full. Just mm -hmm. like a hint of like peanut on there too. Mm. So there was a fire. Little, little. Yeah, on the bottling sorry. line, so it made them have to like take them out of that barrel, put it into another barrel. And then they created that sauce. Because previously they hadn't thought to put it in like one barrel from a. Like yeah, yeah. So yeah. It kind of forced their hand, and it turned out, hey, it's great. And I mean, all honesty, kind of like the Chicago fire. It's no coincidence that oh, people thought that was great. It's, yeah, yeah, people loved it. Really. This is well, kind of afterwards, we, you know. Fire codes changed. They kicked Miss O'Leary out of the city. We also created alleys afterwards. Oh. Yeah. For the, the audience at home, um, we are filming this, or taping live. this live in Chicago, Illinois. Right. In the Logan Square neighborhood. Let's not get too much yeah, information. We don't I, don't want, I don't want people camping <laughs> you out. You want to give an address? Yeah. Out, outside. I will. Internally, no, yeah, we have, because we have, yeah, so we have uh, alleys. Yeah. New York doesn't have alleys, so they just have their shit and garbage out on the street. Oh, yeah, I, I lived there. I remember what it was like. It was always smelly and garbage today, and a lot of flies. And back to bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, yeah, I think that, um, uh, so what I think is funny about the 1910 from Old Forester is, and this is not a critique by any means, but it is a double-barreled bourbon, and Brown Foreman also has 
through Woodford Reserve, their own other double-barreled bourbon. They're owned by the same? Same same uh, distillery, or same uh, company that owns both distilleries. Ah. Brown Pullman owns Woodford Reserve and uh, Old Forester. Old Forester was the first, and then Woodford Reserve came around like 96. Ah. They bought the LeBrow and Graham distillery in... Mm. Uh, uh, I forget what town in Kentucky, but over towards Versailles, I think it is. Um, Versailles. Oh, Versailles. I always forget. Versailles is in Illinois. Yeah. No, well, every every that's state definitely state not how you say it in French. Every state. <laughs> no, but that's how you say it in Illinois. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's also Cairo in Illinois. So. But I think that they. I think that Brown Foreman knew pronounced Chablis. <laughs> I think they knew from the uh, success of Woodford Double Oak that they could do something really well with. Because uh, Woodford is produced uh, with pot still uh, uh, stills, right? Or at least some portion of it. We don't know how much. And Brown Foreman does Old Forester with just standard column stills, mostly, as far as I know. Mm. Mm. That's great. All right. I think we're at the last one. Yes. Um, what's that studio audience? Who's pretzel down here? Next is the Old Forester 1920, of course, to commemorate um, the beginning of Prohibition. Never heard of it. What is that? Well, John, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there was a period of time where it was illegal to drink alcohol. That's true. Recreationally, at least. Um, Old, Old Forester is one of the uh, oh, companies, um, a handful of companies that made whiskey through Prohibition and is the only one still available today. Do they do that legally? Yeah, yeah. Um, was so you're one of the only to have a medicinal license. Yeah. So the, ah. the the founder being from starting pharmaceutical sales, you know, he was smart enough to get them into uh, doing medicinal. Was he still around? Though he probably did. So they were like maybe. I am a lineage. Uh, lineage. Uh, and there's always been actually to this day the owner of uh, or uh, I don't know how much he owns of it, but. Uh, Campbell Brown or something like that. The president of being a Campbell Soup. Yeah, well, actually, maybe it's Campbell Soup. No, but um, the uh, president of Brown Foreman is a descendant of George Garvin Brown today. So it was probably a Brown descendant who made Keep the call. The made the call to get a medicinal license. Did you already report? I did. Okay. Okay. Um, um, but but just also for folks listening at home, during Prohibition, you could drink alcohol, but you could not purchase. Buy it. You could not purchase it or sell it. Mm. So a lot of people early on in Prohibition bought as much as they could. And, to stock up. Yeah, I remember hearing that like the Harvard Club of New York um, went never went dry during Prohibition or something like that. So that's good planning. That's what mm -hmm. you got to do. Right? I respect that. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Mm. All right. So yeah, the 1920 um, higher proof than the 1910. 115 proof. Yeah. 115 proof. Wonderful yeah. stuff. That's pretty high. But uh, uh, this is a real crowd uh, favorite. A lot of people like the 1920. Um, there is a just a heated debate over which is the preferred, the 1910 or the 1920. Um, I'll let I mean, everyone else be the judge. But, I, uh, I've always liked the 1910, but I think that... Um, I, I do fall in that, in that category as well, but uh, I mean, they're both great. I wouldn't turn either of them down. In the 1920, um, what was neat about that is Brown Foreman doesn't have, as far as I know, other than its semi-rare, uh, semi-annual rare release of King of Kentucky, doesn't really have like a barrel-proof product that it puts out. Mm -hmm. So that's what the 1920 is kind of their only higher-proof, you know, 
product. So what makes it prohibition style? Well, so the the uh, medicinal whiskey at the time was a higher proof, like somewhere around nineteen, like uh, or one hundred and fifteen proof, I think, is what. So I the learned. idea was that it was there was a medicinal use for this. Oh yeah, back in the day, they thought that uh, whiskey had a medicinal use to it. Um, mm-hmm. Did they actually what, think that? I, I mean, no, they did, and like. Mm-hmm. So put babies to sleep. I mean, right? historically, that's how uh, that's how Malort was popular uh, during. We are in Chicago, oh, so in Chicago, because yeah, it was like, oh, it tastes so bad. Mm. Why would you would only do this if you needed it medicinally? Yeah. So I personally love Malort. And, uh, it's fantastic. Oh yeah. All right. So anyway, 1920. Let's get a little, little whiff of this. There's another one. There we go. And our, our anonymous taster is giving me the cross eyes, letting me know that I think this one, uh, I'm not getting much. Uh, I mean, I've obviously tasted, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of different types of bourbons, and I'm liking the nose on this. I'm not getting a lot of, uh, I'm not really getting an ethanol note on it. I'm getting definitely something. Yeah, do, you get a little, do you get a little smokiness on the palate? Well, I haven't sure. even sipped it yet. I'm still, I'm still sniffing it. Well, no, just jump right in, buddy. Mm. Water's fine. Dip your toe in. <laughs> it tastes like it. Honestly, it tastes more like the hundred proof to me. It like is. It harkens back to that. It has like less of the caramely taste to it, and more um, kind of. Uh, what is that? Let me take another sip and see. See, I get, I get a little bit of spice in the finish too. A little bit of that cinnamony. Just in the finish? Yeah. You know what? That might be it. It's definitely got... It's like a little more heat to it, but it's not like... Well, I, I think it's... Especially doing them side by side like that. You de- I definitely feel like the 1920 is very noticeably hotter. Not, well, not a bad way, but... Like, but you do kind of there. want that, too. You know? Like, it's almost like a way to um, regulate how you sip so that you're not constantly going back for another sip. It's sip, pause, enjoy, kind of... Conversate. Conversate, if you will, or converse. And then... Uh, I prefer my way. I mean, look, these are, you know, one of those is a word. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had that's an higher proof. That's like a family was, joke I've got. Because mm-hmm. it was uh, prohibition. I just wanted to get drunk. That's probably why. Well, it was medicinal. Higher. They needed that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can keep going on with that. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think of it? What did you, what did you think of it? I thought it was... Um, Mostly medicinal in <laughs> how it smelled and tastes. It tastes a lot like anise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it's got a nice, like a nice meshing of sweet and spice to it. Like, yeah, like sweetness up front, spice in the back end. Honestly, um, any given day, I normally like the 1910 best, but honestly, of the five that we've had tonight, I really think 1920s taken it for me because really, yeah, because it's got a good balance of flavor and. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, I uh, I stand firm with my 1910 take. Well, I'm the, I'm not going to abandon it. Um, you know, like you are. The only way to solve this is a battle to the death. I think. Yeah, I think I feel like you're right. Shot, uh, shot after no, shot. Although I, I do like them both, and but I think I still prefer the 1910. But that's okay. Everyone, we can disagree. Um, what about in a our manner. What about our anonymous taster? What do you think? What was your the first one? You like the because it group. was the least. Of all five of them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 86 proof. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That that checks because that's why uh, Old Forester has it. It's for folks who like me. Know, 
are interested in it, haven't had it before, you know, it's a way to like draw you in. Yeah, honestly, they've got a little something for everybody. That's right. I did like the second one probably the second best. The hundred proof. Mm-hmm. It's mm. good. It's good. Yeah. So there you have it. That's our our lineup of regularly available Old Forester products. Um, yeah, Old Forester is great. Try it sometime. Yeah. We recommend it. Thanks everybody. Oh, clap there. Clap there. Clap there and clap there. Thanks everybody. <laughs>